0: Welcome to RBC's Markets in Motion podcast, recorded July 22nd, 2022. I'm Lori Calvasina, Head of U.S. Equity Strategy at RBC Capital Markets. Please listen to the end of this podcast for important disclaimers. This week in the podcast, we update our outlook for the S&P 500 and several key positioning trades. The big things you need to know? First, we've made another cut to our year in 2022 S&P 500 price target to 4200 from 4700 and have lowered our S&P 500 EPS forecast to 214 for 2022 and 212 for 2023. Second, looking into the back half of the year, the midterm election could be a positive catalyst for stocks and help them find a bottom if one hasn't been established already. And third, in terms of positioning, we continue to prefer U.S. equities over non-U.S. equities and growth over value. Meanwhile, our conviction level on small caps has strengthened, and we're now going overweight small cap. If you'd like to hear more, here's another six minutes. While you're waiting, a quick reminder that you can subscribe to this podcast on Apple, Spotify, and other providers. Now let's jump into the details. Starting out with takeaway number one, we have lowered our S&P price target and EPS forecast for 2022 as well as 2023. Our price target, which we think of as a number the index will trade at on December 31st, has gone to 4200 from 4700, and our 2022 EPS forecast has gone from 223 to 214, below the bottom-up consensus of 230. Meanwhile, our 2023 EPS forecast has gone from 243 to 212, below the bottom-up consensus of 248. Our new 4200 price target is the average of 10 different back tests based on performance in past crisis years, valuations, earnings revisions, sentiment, and cross-asset analysis on stocks versus bonds. Our 2022 and 2023 EPS forecasts of 214 and 212 compared to 2011's actual of 211. These forecasts assume earnings go nowhere for a few years, similar to 2015-2016. Our model uses consensus macro estimates for things like GDP and CPI, along with forward commodity prices. It's baking in real GDP that comes close to contraction in 4Q of 2022 and stays quite sluggish throughout 2023. It also has margins getting hit pretty hard. We've also prepared a second version of our earnings model that bakes in a more clear recession, with outright contraction in real GDP growth in several quarters in late 22 and early 23 on a year-over-year basis. This version of our model argues that S&P EPS should come in at 200 for 2022 and 195 for 2023 and calls for even more significant deterioration in margins than our base case. Looking beyond the numbers at the path we anticipate for stocks through year end, if a short, shallow recession that's concentrated in late 22 or early 23 materializes, we think it's possible the S&P has already bottomed or will find a bottom during the third quarter. As far as we're concerned for the stock market, the sooner the better. There are a lot of reasons why we think stocks may have bottomed or are close to one. Stocks tend to bottom four to five months before a recession ends, and the 24% decline in the S&P as of mid-June was very close to the median recession drawdown of 27%. We're also seeing peak valuations in defensive stocks, which is characteristic of market bottoms. And we've also noticed outperformance by popular hedge fund stocks since late May. This is extremely important because we saw popular hedge fund names start to outperform about a month before the market bottomed back in late 2018. Additionally, the trailing PE for the S&P 500 has already fallen as much as it did during the tech bubble, and the downward earnings revision cycle has finally started. As we've discussed on the podcast before, we're also seeing deeply bearish sentiment and positioning among retail investors where net bulls on the AAII survey are back to historical lows. We're seeing the same thing on the institutional side now with CFTC data on asset manager positioning and U.S. equity futures finally back down to all-time or 2015-2016 lows. We do worry. It's a little too early for earnings expectations to completely reset for 2023. I actually don't like that reporting season has gotten off to a good start. This may delay the ripping off of the Band-Aid investors have wanted to see until the 3Q reporting season, when more evidence of a slowing in demand is seen by corporates and visibility into 2023 is greater. Recently, 37% of sell-side EPS estimate revisions have been to the upside, but bottoms on this indicator tend to happen in the 10-30% to range. Moving on to takeaway number two, looking into the back half of the year, the midterm election could be a positive catalyst for stocks and help them find a bottom if they haven't seen it already. Typically, midterm election years are weak for stocks, but the S&P tends to bottom in early October about one month before the event, before rallying back around 7% through year end. While a good outcome for Republicans seems unlikely to surprise investors, it could help stabilize consumer sentiment as Republicans have been feeling much worse than Democrats in the UMISH survey. A good showing for Republicans in the midterms could also generate excitement about the political backdrops for stocks longer term. Indeed, year three of the presidential cycle tends to be the best for stocks, as does the combination of a Democratic president and a split or Republican-led Congress. Meanwhile, the polling data is starting to suggest that Democrats look weak and divided, with some polls suggesting Democrats want a different nominee in 2024. I'll wrap up with takeaway number three. In terms of positioning, we prefer U.S. over non-U.S. equities, growth over value, and small cap over large cap. We'll dig more into our U.S., non-U.S., and growth value calls another time. For now, suffice it to say that growth has been outperforming value since late May, and this tends to be accompanied by U.S. leadership relative to rest of world. Looking more closely at small cap, we've been telling investors for a while to get back to neutral on small versus large and pull off small cap underweights. Small cap has been trading sideways relative to large cap this year, but our conviction on small cap has continued to grow, and so we're going to go ahead and go overweight. The key thing to remember about small caps is that historically, recessions are buying opportunities for them. They lag on the way down and outperform after the market finds its mid-recession bottom on the way up. Small cap valuations have also been near historical lows in both absolute terms and relative to large caps. Meanwhile, positioning's been hit hard on the CFTC data for small cap. Asset manager positioning in Russell 2000 futures contracts is deep in net short territory and well below financial crisis lows. We've also seen a clear shift in earnings revision trends back in small caps favor. They've experienced downward revisions earlier than large cap, and so they're holding up better now. And most importantly, given all the news out this past week, small caps are already baking in the deterioration that's starting to show up in the economic data. Small cap performance over the past year has been consistent with ISM manufacturing levels that have already fallen to typical troughs. And it's also been consistent with a sharp spike in jobless claims. It's also worth remembering that historically small caps had tended to start outperforming large caps when the unemployment rate is starting to move up. They price in the bad news on the labor market well ahead of time. That's all for now. Thanks for listening, and be sure to check out our sister podcast, RBC's Industries in Motion, for thoughts on additional sectors from RBC's team of industry analysts. This content is based on information available at the time it was recorded, and is for informational purposes only. It is not an offer to buy or sell or a solicitation, and no recommendations are implied. It is outside the scope of this communication to consider whether it is suitable for you and your financial objectives.